I shared with you a lot of the history behind the Church of Corinth. It was like a, a Las Vegas meets New York City trade, business, all this stuff, but with the pleasure of sin and all those other things that came with it. Well, you bring those things to, together, and this city was just a mess. Have you ever thought what it would be like to plant a church in Las Vegas? You know, everybody's preoccupied. It's like, man, we're here for pleasure. Man, we're here to have fun. We're here for this and that. And then they sit there and say, hey, come to church. You know, well, here's, here's what happened with Paul. That's exactly what he's doing. How do you start a church where people are so blinded by so many different things? After these things, Paul departed from Athens and he came to Corinth. He parted thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord in all of his house. And many, many of the Corinthians hearing believed. How did they believe? They heard and were baptized. Believing came first. Baptism came second. It wasn't a matter of converting people into baptism. It was a matter of reaching their heart. That, that comes first. When you reach their heart, everything falls in place. So how did this church start? A, a guy named Paul grabs his Bible, grabs the Word, grabs his scroll, walks in there, and begins to just open up the words and be able to just begin to preach the truth. Now, now listen to what God said. And then, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak. So simple. It, it almost sounds like, okay, what do you want me to do? Just just. Gather, have justice and these other people come gather people together. And Paul just walked in there and says, and Jesus came. And it was a silent night that the angels were there and, and, and God spoke to them. And they came and found a baby lying in a manger. and He grew up to be the son of God. And he died on the cross in the message of the cross. And Jesus came and three days later he came out of the grave. He was just speaking the gospel. And he said unto him, but speak and hold not thy peace. Don't hold back. It's not a matter of you saying, well, what would be accepted? And this city is confused. What he says, man, just preach the truth. He said, man, that comes with a lot of opposition. For I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I, am, I have much people in this city. He said, man, I've got a big plan. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. How did, how did the church start? In the middle of a wicked society, in the middle of messed up people. Sometimes we write things off today. Say, well, Pastor Tony, I just don't think the word of God is really. Man, churches and people are just not after this. And things are so different today. And people are so wicked and people are so far from God. And they, they don't want to hear it. And in our minds, we've just written it off like it's just not going to matter. People just don't care. So here's Paul. You can imagine, the Bible even says in chapter 3, he came to you much in fear and trembling and in the Spirit of God, walking in that first time. And like, God, you're going to have to help me because I know these people just came from the, the, the temple of the goddess of love. And these people over here walked in and they seeking after pleasures. And these people were drunk last night. And that guy tried to solicit stuff to me as I was walking in. And, you know, it, it's just this, this wicked city. And he just begins to open up the word of God. And he began just to say, let me tell you about the cross. Let me tell you about Jesus. 
In chapter 3, he begins to testify and begin to say, and the Spirit of God began to work and to move and to change and to transform. God was working in there in the midst of the lost, in the midst of the addictions, in the midst of the false gods, in the midst of everything that they were doing that just felt good to them. And they believed when they heard. That is why the Bible says it's, it's not just an old book. And I've, I, I watch a newscaster say, why in the world are we letting an old relic book dictate to America what we're to do? That has nothing to do with America. That has nothing to do with uh, what, what is right and wrong. And the, yeah, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard it. We're allowing an old relic to tell us what is right and wrong in America. L- let me tell you guys, I don't just have an old book. I, I hold in my hands the very words of God. The Elohim creator that spoke the world into existence when there was nothing at all had the power within his voice of speaking to say, let there be light. And there was light because the light had to obey because it was the author and creator, Elohim God, that said it. He was God. He spoke the words of life. He spoke the words of truth. He spoke man. He spoke truth. He spoke, let there be sea and let there be plants and let there be animals. And that was the very foundation of it. The Bible says in Hebrews, for the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful. You don't believe me? How did all of us that was lost in sins ourselves come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Say, well, I heard the gospel. Let me just do a survey here. How many of you would say, Pastor Tony, I got saved because I heard the preaching of God's word along my, and I responded to the preaching of God's word. Raise your hand, testify you heard the preaching of, let me tell you guys right now, and with all due respect, the world will call us a bunch of weirdos. You heard the gospel story, and I'll read this in, in, in chapter 1, verse 17. You heard the gospel story, which is the cross of a poor man being born to a virgin woman, <clears throat> that, that, that was the, the, the wife or the future wife of a carpenter who knew not, not a man and was a virgin. And then this poor dude grows up and heals people and goes to the wicked. And then he dies on a cross and he doesn't fight back. And he came out of the grave. And it's like all of these things happened. And you morons believe that. I say morons. It's actually what they called them. L- let me show you. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now he gets into this church and he's, he's preaching the truth. He gets into this church and, and he's reminding them, guys, I didn't come to you with the wisdom of man. L- l- let me break it down like this. I was um, a couple of weeks ago when all the power was going out in Columbus. Did, were any of you guys affected or know anybody that was affected by the power outages? A lot of people in that area, it's just no power. And so it was a big deal. I didn't think of anything about it because we live in Canal. It didn't have any of those issues. I drove up north. It was late at night. And I drove into an area that there was no, no stoplights, no, no street lights, no parking lot lights. It was, it was, it was jet black. It was, it was actually creepy. It was eerie. It was weird. And here I'm, I'm driving through and it was in like a war zone. Now I'm going to ask you guys because a lot of you have a driver's license. Most of you have a driver's license. If there is no lights, no stoplights, what do you do at that intersection? You stop. And every intersection then turns into a four-way stop. You say, how do you know that? Because when you got your driver's license, they gave you a little book. 
Now it's online, but they used to give you a little book, and you'd get it at the BMV, and it opens up, and it says, so you're going to drive a weapon. Now, let me teach you how to, you know, it's seriously, that's what it is. I'm going to teach you when there's, and this is how to do it. So here I am trying to pull out of this intersection, literally just trying to stay alive. I, my anxiety was through the roof. I, I am like, I am going to die. There's, lights are out, and they are flying. It's almost like they were gunning it through the intersections. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'll just speed up. Nobody was stopping. And then when the people that were stopping, everybody was honking at them like, why are you stopping? So I'm trying to get out of this intersection. I'm blowing my horn. I'm flashing my lights. I'm like trying to just gunning at myself when it was my turn. And, and it was just chaos. So here, here you have to ask the question, why was it like that? Well, one, either they know and they're just like, I don't care. I'm not going to stop. This is my opportunity to run a light and not get in trouble for it. I'm in a hurry. I really don't care. And I think some of them were just like, well, I didn't even know that. I mean, I, I, I basically answered enough questions to get my driver's license. I never really went through the book. I really don't care. So it's either ignorance or rebellion. But one of the, you, you know what that creates? If everybody says, I'm just going to drive. I don't believe in stop signs. I don't believe in stop lights. I just really don't care. I'm going to do my own thing and do whatever I can get away with. Every man does that which is right in their own eyes. It creates anxiety, stress, chaos and death. People die. That's what Paul was saying when he was preaching this. He says, when people get away from the authority of what is right and we do our own thing, it creates problems. Paul is drawing a comparison. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul was making a contrast. Let me draw this out. Let me, let me illustrate as we go through this. I don't know if everybody can read this, but it says the word of God or the gospel. So, so let's start with this. this is, Paul said, I came to you to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is what is right. The gospel is what works. It's our, it's our driver's manual at the very beginning to say, hey, before you set out in marriage, can I tell you who created marriage and how it works? Before you understand to leave your father's house, before you have kids, as you're raising kids, this is the authority. This is the words of God. This is what God has spoken. This is what works. This is where we start. If you want peace in your life, this is, this is what works. We've studied all those things. In contrast, he said, then there's also the wisdom of men. He saw that. He said, I didn't come to you in the wisdom of men. You think about why he said that. He said that because they lived in a culture where they had education. You know, the, probably the University of Corinth. They would go there. They would get educated. Where did they get all their knowledge? They, they made it up. Where did the sun, moon, and stars come from? A big bang or an explosion or the Greek god of this or the, the, the whatever god of that. And they, they made it up as they went. The problem is it's, when it's based on opinion or feelings and emotions, it shifts, it changes. It's up and down. You guys all know how we are with opinions. If... if if we're to sit there and debate on what, what kind of, what's the best dessert that you could possibly have, and me and Jenny go back and forth in this. So I'm, I'm like, we should go to Crumble Cookie and get some big cookies that are 700 calories a piece. That would be a great dessert. And Jenny is more like, I'd rather go get ice cream. So how many of you would rather have a giant cookie? Raise your hand. How many would you rather have ice cream? Raise your hand. Okay. I think we're about to have a church split over this because we don't see eye to eye. Everybody has a different... Opinion based on feelings and desires and what I like. So all of a sudden, that's okay with cookies. And it's okay with ice cream. 
But when we start getting into what is a baby, what is a male, what is a female, what is marriage, what, where, where, where do I send? Do you understand Then all of a sudden that creates where, well, I go to this institute and they feel this. And I, I go over here and they have this opinion. And everybody, you, you, you know, our kids will grow up and they'll hear one teacher and say, well, if you ask me, we all came from a glob of goo. And well, if you ask me, I believe there is a God, but it's not that God. And it's whatever God you may. You guys know what I'm saying? It's, it's shifting sand. And the Bible even describes this. He, he, Jesus was teaching one time and he talked about the, there being the rock. You build a house on the rock, and when the storms came and the winds blew, it fell not. Why? Because it was built upon a rock. Tell, explain a rock. Because a rock is something that absolute does not change, it does not shift, it does not fall apart. Wisdom of the world, what man does is they build it upon the sand. And sand is just opinion. You know why? Because it shifts and it changes. I, I feel this way when I'm 18. When I'm 25, I have a different opinion. When I'm 35, I have a different opinion. And so there's no absolutes because it's always shifting and changing. This is, I feel like this is the best way to live life. Right? And, and, and what happens is when something is shifting and changing, it, it builds anxiety. Uh, Stacy Barrett for um, the uh, Vacation Bible School, she did a really cool game. She called it the moonwalk. And she put up all these boxes. Some of them were solid and some of them would crush. And they had to make it all the way across by figuring out which one of those boxes were, would crush or be solid. And it, it, you can just see the, the kids getting all anxious. Why? Because there was, I, I don't know if I'm going to fall in my next step or not. You, you see, it's the same thing in the world. We get upset because people are so anxious, anxiety. Because of the fact is that nothing is stable. Everything is shifting and changing. And it's happening right now. Roe versus Wade. Now what am I going to do? I, I don't know where to turn. I don't know how to handle this. I, I can't tell my parents that I'm pregnant and I can't have this baby and I can't afford it. And all the thing is, if we would have started with absolute truth to know this is how you live life and this is how you raise your kids and this is, this is not how to get in that situation to begin with. And I know we can get all like proud and like, amen, brother, that's right. But I tell you, the world over here is not walking where we're at because they haven't, been, they haven't seen the truth or been exposed to the truth. They're still walking in darkness. It's a problem. Let me give you three things. The first one will be a little longer and then two quick things and we'll be finished. Paul was saying this is how we're different. Number one, we stand on God's word as absolute truth. I know that sounds simple, but let me, let, me, let me explain this. Let's go back to this comparison. Verse 17, I'm going to reiterate this over and over again. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach. I'm not just going to preach my opinion. I'm not going to stand up like another philosopher. I'm not going to stand up like another politician. I'm going to stand up to you with the wisdom of words. Not with the wisdom of words, but with the power of God. The word preach literally means to announce the truth. I am a redneck from Alabama. You guys already know that. I grew up with a dog named Sam and a best friend named Bubba. I am redneck as you can get. I lived at the dead end of a road. I, I, I grew up having pinecone wars with my brother in the woods. I mean, if I keep talking, you guys are going to walk out just saying, this guy has nothing good to say whatsoever. And let me tell you, you're absolutely right. But I don't come to you in the wisdom of men. I don't come to you in the opinion of Tony. And I know with what a, a lot of what I'm going to say right now is going to be foolishness to the world, but I, I come to you in the authority of God's word to preach. Paul came to there and just says, I'm going to come to you and just preach 
the gospel. Can, can, I, can I break this down? Because not Tony and not Fellowship Baptist and not even your parents is the final authority in your life. The word of God is our final authority in life. Verse 17, don't, don't miss it. Paul said, for Christ sent me. I, I, I don't come on my own agenda. I don't come into myself. He said, can, can I just tell you, it's like opening up before he preaches and just say, hey guys, can, can I just tell you that I'm Paul? I used to be Saul. I used to be messed up, man. I, 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 and I, I've got a degree and I've got all these things and Paul was a very educated man. But I'm, I need to tell you this because this is the final authority of our life. Christ came to seek and to save. Christ is the one that came to give us the final authority. So, He said, I came to preach the gospel. This is declared by God. The authority behind the gospel is Jesus Christ. Let me walk over here. Just just have this image, okay, as we go through this. Can we kind of do this? It's it's like it's the word of God or the the gospel as we kind of go through this. This is what I want the image to be, to where this was written by God, Elohim, the creator. He is your creator and my creator. He is the one that invented us from the very beginning. He is the author of life. He is the one that spoke everything into existence. He spoke the sun into existence. You want to know where the sun came from? Ask the author. You, you want to know where you came from? You ask the author. You want to know why I'm here and what my purpose is? You ask the author. It is, it is the final authority of my life because he is the author of my life. He is the creator of my life. We, we need to uh, understand that when it comes to the wisdom of men on the other side. Now, here's the thing. There's going to be lots of opinion, and there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. This is talking about having a biblical worldview. Literally mean that I filter everything that I feel or I think through God's word. If I'm going to raise my kids and say, how, how, how should they date? Should they just date anybody? And the Bible says, be not unequally yoked with the unbelievers. Then all of a sudden I say, hey, listen, you're, you're only, when it comes time to age, you know, when your kids are 45 or 35 or whatever that age is, you got a daughter, uh, the, the reason that, or the whatever foundation and grounding that you have of what you stand on has to come through God's word. Has to. What you're going to bring into your house, what you're going to view, how you're going to do your finances or whatever, it's, it's got to be through God's word. I, I stand on a biblical worldview. I, I, I know what is right and wrong based on this. That, that's the same thing with abortion. It's, can I just tell you guys something? We don't, we don't base anything off of the wisdom of man because this is sinking sand that doesn't work. Can we have opinions? Absolutely. If we want to sit there and argue and debate about ice cream flavors or cookies versus donuts versus ice cream or whatever, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, if God says no, it doesn't go any further than this. If God declares what is right or what is wrong, it doesn't go any further than this because this is the final authority in our lives. Then we have the other side, the wisdom of men. Here's what the wisdom of man says. Wisdom of man says, well... That's old-fashioned. Or every, have you heard this? Like, everybody does that. Get with the times. And I don't, I know what you're saying, but I don't see it that way. Or, but uh, I know, but I feel just the way that I feel. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's, it's all opinion. Now, if, it, if it's dealing with your perspective of what car to drive or whatever, that's fine. But we have to have a biblical worldview. He says, we cannot compromise when it comes to this. He says, 
For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of men. Why? Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Do you understand if we go back and forth, then it means that if this is not the absolute authority, then we're bouncing back and forth and there is no final authority in our lives. Here's what a lot of us do when it comes to this. I want to go to heaven. Tell me about heaven. I want to have peace in my life. I want to have peace in my life. So the cross of Christ, I mean, that, that's the final authority. But, but when we, other aspects of it that we disagree with in the Bible and just say, well, I don't agree. And I know that's what I grew up hearing in the word of God. And I heard that in church. But to be honest, I'm just at a place in my life where I really don't see it that way. If you can't believe just part of it, how can you believe any of it? If you're going to pick and choose and you just say, well, this is absolute truth because I know if I die today, I'm going to heaven. But you flip the page and say, yeah, but that part I don't believe. You realize that where a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There's no peace because you're jumping off the rock to jump into the sand and then you're jumping from the sand back onto the rock and you're wondering why we're so confused and so frustrated because we're not standing firm on anything. The Bible tells us what is right, what is wrong, what we allow in our lives and what we don't. How we view money, how we view morality, how, how we vote. And I know that's unpopular to say, you're going to teach us how to vote a certain way. No, God's already told us how to vote. We vote for what is right. It's, it's not about politics. It's not about independent, Democrat, or Republican. We stand for what? We stand for what is right. I'm not going to get up here and push a candidate. But I'm going to tell you about Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell you about the Word of God, and I'm going to tell you where I stand because it is right. We do what is right because nothing else works. You say, that's not, that's not popular because a lot of times we, we check our morals at the door to come over here for popular opinion. But let me tell you, we, we end up falling apart when we do that. A biblical worldview means that we, you believe that there is a living God, that he created all things, he's our authority in our life, and he reveals himself through scripture. Here's a warning for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. The preaching literally means the word of God, the logos, what God has said. But foolishness is where we get the word moron from. It's the Greek word moros. It's, it's literally the word moron that we would say an idiot or somebody that doesn't know better or confused. Let's just be honest. If you're going to do this and you start taking a stand at what you believe is right for your marriage and your home and raising your kids to the world, you are a moron. And that's not me trying to be disrespectful. I hope anybody, I'm literally taking biblical definition of that. You, you, you are out of touch. You're confused. It's not going to work that way. I, I don't mind being called a moron because I tell you the world's way is not working. But to unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. See, it is our final authority, but it also holds power. The definition of power is dunamis power. It's the same power that, that we talk about all through Scripture. Well, let me lay it out again. It's the same power for dunamis power that raised Jesus from the dead. The dunamis power, the breath of God, the salvation of God, it literally means a force. It means miraculous power. It means mighty work. No wonder Satan tries to get us away from not standing on the Word of God as a church. To water things down, to compromise, or to mix because the further I get away from this, I'm not just getting away from the authority in my life. Guess what I'm getting away from? The power of God. The power of God that's changed and see 10 people come to know Jesus Christ. The power of God that's overseas in, in, in Ukraine where people are running for their lives and trying to seek shelter. And, and they give them this, 
this, this microcard that's able to have the gospel on it, a QR code, the scam, and watch the Jesus story and be able to have their lives changed. It's the power of God. You think about everything that God has done for the power, you're just, we, we, we want to see life changed, and I want to see my kids changed. Well, I tell you, it's not going to happen because you give them your opinion, and you say, when I was a kid, or even lectures like this, I raised you better than that. You, you guys aren't saying, they're, they're like, that's just, that's just words out of your mouth. But if you come over here, think about the words of God. When God, at the beginning of time, the Bible says that God spoke the words and the universe came into existence. I don't know about you, that that's pretty miraculous power. The Bible says the definition of power is a force. It is a force. You know why that is so important? Because there's a force on the other side. The Bible talks about the prince and power of the air. The rulers of darkness of this world. Go ahead, read it in Ephesians chapter 6. There is another force that is dragging us away from what is right and dragging our homes down and dragging our kids in the trash. You know what's going to change that? When there's a more powerful force that comes in and pulls them to the other side through conviction of the preaching of the word of God. It's quick and powerful. Pierces to their hearts. Can I remind you, America doesn't need law change. It needs heart change. Our kids don't need rules as much as they need a heart change. Because if they don't have a heart change, they're going to get around the rules. And I'm not saying don't have rules. I'm just saying that it's the heart that we're after. When Jesus spoke, demons had to flee. When Jesus spoke, the dead was ro- rose from the dead. When Jesus spoke, the legion that was in the maniac of Gadara that said, we are many, Jesus said, get out! And they had to flee. How dare we ever think that we can get away from the authority of God's word where say, I'm standing here. And you say, dad, mom, why am I standing here? Because I know if I start going and and compromising and mixing and watering down what I believe for the sake of trying to get people to like me, whatever, it's going to fall apart. It will not work. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'll bring the nothing, the understanding of the prudent. God was saying the wisdom of man will never stand against the power of God. It's not in competition. it's not a wrestling match whatsoever. He said, where is the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath God not made the foolish wisdom of the world? He says, what are you going to bring that that is more powerful? What what man or what power? God says, you you bring a philosopher, you bring a a, a leader, you bring a politician that's going to stand up and preach boldly. God turns around and says, I made their mouth, I made the breath that they breathe. Trying to compare these things. For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, knew not God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. All the wisdom of the world leads people to confusion because they know not God. But God used the foolishness. Let let me just say, it's foolishness to the world. He's speaking in their terms. He said the simplicity of things. If you guys would have been here during Bible school, you probably would have thought we were kind of crazy as, as we got up to use different colors to illustrate the gospel or pastor dave would have kids come up and he he'd put on the the coat of many colors talking about joseph and 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 we we just had different things that we did he was talking about no man that worth entangleth with with affairs of this world and a lot of this you guys are going to see on july 10th when we have the vbs service but god says here's the thing i'm going to use the silliness the foolishness the simplicity of the things that you have or the voice that you have or being a redneck from Alabama because it's not you. It all lies in the power of God which you hold in your hands to change lives. 
For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. You're a moron. But unto them which are, but unto them which are the called, that is us, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So he says here, he says it is the final authority of our life because it was spoken by God, our author. It is the power of God because it has the dunamis power to convict and change and lead and, 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 and mold our kids. But it's also the wisdom of God. Now you think about this. Now we've got wisdom of both sides. Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. If, if, you, if you have a, a uh, education of how to drive a car and you read the book and it says you, first you have to put it in drive and then you have to look check your mirrors and then you have to take off the emergency. You know what I'm saying? All the different things. That's knowledge. But putting somebody behind the car and actually understanding the knowledge to look and be able to drive and when to accelerate, that's wisdom. Wisdom is, is applying the knowledge that you have to your life. When you think about the, the wisdom of the man is everybody's basic on opinions and they're falling apart. But God says, I'm going to teach you how to live life and how to go through life and how to live as a teenager and have peace. I'm going to teach you how to have parents or parents and be able to have success. I'm going to teach you how to have a church through the power of God, the wisdom that God's going to give us because the world, we get so frustrated with the world. But the thing is, God helps us to see what works. And when we do what works, it brings peace. That's why in the Old Testament he says, for the word of God, and he describes it as a light. Do you understand why it's a light? Because it illuminates. A lot of times we'll say, well, I didn't see that before. See, it gives us understanding. It gives us understanding. The Bible gives us understanding, the wisdom of God. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word, and this is the cool thing, and you guys could all testify, brings clarity. It's like, I didn't get that before. You know why we're so passionate about Roe versus Wade? You know why we're so passionate about life? Because we understand this. And you guys just hear my heart. We sit there and like, well, if they didn't make that decision, they got back up, back up, back up, back up. All the way. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. You guys know where I'm going with this? Mom and dad, why do we go to church? Because we hear the preaching of God's word from a youth pastor, a teacher, worship ministers, and it changes us. It's the power of God. It has an effect on me. I surrendered the preach because I was under the authority of God's word. I, I, I knew that I wanted to stay pure before marriage because I was under the authority of God's word. I knew what I was looking for in a marriage I knew when I met Jenny, the, the, the standards that I had, it came in my heart for the word of God is quick and powerful and it pierces the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And then I live out my life. So when I get into a realm of like, hey, you should, you should date around or try out people and all the different terminology that people have about sex out of marriage and God says, no, why? Because it doesn't work. And it brings guilt and it brings pain and it brings confusion. But we get so upset about how people are living over here. And God says, if you would just live your lives according to God's word, you would never have to dip into the opinions of man. There's a way that God has for us to have life. It's the, it's the narrow way, but broad is a way that leads unto destruction. But let me go to the next points. The word of God is our final authority. It's our absolute authority in our life. 
Number two, we prioritize the truth. He said in verse 17 and 18, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. And he said, For the preaching of the cross of them that perish foolishness. So he draws this comparison. But can I tell you the reason why he had to draw the comparison? Because in our life that we have free will, we have the choice to choose between these two. Can I tell you it's natural for man to gravitate towards our opinion? Actually, if I'm not even exposed to the truth, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just just don't expose your kids to truth and I promise you where they're going to end up. You don't have to teach them to have an opinion. Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. And why do I have to come in before eight? And why do I have to text you that I'm going to be late? And why can't I go to that friend's house? Everybody has opinions. So I'm telling you, if we don't put our kids or our lives under the authority of God's word, there's a natural draw. You don't have to leave them there. The, 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 the opinions of the world will pull them there. You're going to find this on Netflix. You're going to find this on TikTok. You're going to find this in social media and Instagram and TV and CNN and all the other things that is constantly putting out the opinions of man. And all of a sudden, people are being indoctrinated today about the opinions of life. Because we're not making a priority to put ourselves under the authority of the preaching of God's word. In Hebrews 10, 23, he says this. He was talking about the importance of let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He said, we hold to this, not going back and forth and like Sunday we live one way and Monday we live another way. No, without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You know, it's not about me. All I am is a provoker. I'm a preacher and a provoker. Mom and Dad, you're a preacher and provoker. Life group leaders, you're a preacher and provoker. We stir people up to do this. Hey, why do you have that view? Can I show you a verse? You say, why is that a big deal? Because there's power behind it. Hey, you shouldn't talk that way. Who are you to tell me? Everybody at school talks that way. Can I show you a verse? Let no wicked, evil communication proceed out of your mouth. It's not right with God. Why should we have the right music in our heads? Why? Because the Bible says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are a good report. There's going to be any virtue or any praise. You better think on these things. Where does all that come from? It's the word of God. But what happens is, in a world that we live in today, we are so, so busy. that a lot of times on Sunday, and I'm not, I say just say Sunday because I'm talking about the preaching of God's word. And you guys saw it over and over again, the emphasis of this. We have somewhere to be and something to do and a party or an activity or whatever. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're all wicked because you went to, I'm not saying that. But let me tell you, whatever you feed your brain is what you're going to be standing on. Whatever you prioritize to your kids as they're growing up is what they're going to prioritize in their life when they're older. Because if I can teach my kids that this works and the word of God works and it brings peace, taste and see that the Lord is good. I will experience it for myself. It's not hearsay. I experience it for myself. Paul was driving, drawing a conclusion or drawing a comparison saying, guys, it's a choice. What are you doing with this? He said, I didn't come to you, so why are you choosing this? He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. The word exhorting literally means to call near, to preach, to provoke, to sharpen. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We have to prioritize this even more today than we did years ago. Why? Because things are changing so much. But let me close with this. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
For you see your calling, brethren. Did you notice he didn't just say preachers or pastors of the church? He said, do you guys see your calling, brethren? Can I, can, I, can I tell you your calling? Can I tell you why it's so important that if there's the speaking or the preaching or the hearing of the word of God is so imperative, then that means we need more voices, more people shouting, more people leading, more people talking, more people sharing and discipling. We need more of this if we're going to have less of this. But he says, you see your calling. How that not many wise men after the flesh, nor mighty or many noble are called. He said, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't call a bunch of hot shots. It's not a bunch of big shots. It's not a bunch of people with degrees. He said he wasn't the mighty. He was saying that we all preached the truth. We all agree on the power of God. We all agree on the absolute truth. But I'm asking how important is it that we not only stand on the word of God, but collectively, brethren, we advance the gospel by sharing it. It is great that we as Christians can, can brag on the fact that I've been in church for 50 years or 40 years or 20 years or my whole life. Praise God for that. It's not about putting a sticker on an on a attendance chart. Uh, chart. It, it, it's about being able to stand fast and say that I have something to whom much is given, much should be required. In the last days, there should be more people saying, I will lead a life group. I will do discipleship. I will teach a class. You say, I'm not qualified. It's never about you being qualified. We're none of us are qualified. Actually, in that verse, when it talks about doing that, he says, for God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. The word foolish literally means dull or stupid or blockhead. Can I just say we all qualify? We all qualify because it was never about us. I say this all the time, but it just touches my heart. All I am is one beggar telling other beggars where I found the bread. It's not about our pedigrees. It's not about our longevity of how long we've been in church. It's about simply the fact that I've been exposed to the truth. I have the truth and I'm going to share the truth. Paul, in the last parts of this, he says, in the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God hath chosen. Yea, the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. He was literally saying the things that the world has called worthless or insignificant. Like maybe getting up and preaching with a, you know, like an illustration or teaching in class. He said, to the world those things are nothing, but to God it's everything. You know why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. He says, I never wanted to be about Pastor Tony. So therefore, I'll take something that the world says is nothing. I'll, I'll take a redneck from Alabama. I'll take somebody that grew up in Baxley or Pickerington or Reynoldsburg. Somebody that was exposed to the word of God. They've been touched by it. Paul says in chapter 3, you should go back and read it. I don't have time. He says, man, I'm so glad I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. He could have. He was a smart guy. But he said, I came to you in fear and trembling. I found something. Can I... Can I take a minute and share it with you guys? Jesus came to us. I was on the road to Damascus one day, going to burn down a church and arrest some Christians. God came to me, saved me, called me, converted me. I'm nothing. God called me to do something. And here it is in that church of Corinth. Somebody over there that's a prostitute and somebody over there that was that person that was working in the bar the night before and the people over here that just beating his wife and has no idea how to treat kids. 
begin to cry. So why? It's the power of God that reaches to the heart. We have the answer that is way more important and powerful than Roe versus Wade. I can introduce him to the creator that, entered, that makes babies and makes humans and made the heart, made the sun and the moon and the stars, made you, made me to lift up Jesus. Jesus.